Ah, yes. Welcome to MLB Morning Coffee. A little bit later here on a Friday morning. Apologies for the late release, but we do have a show for you. Reminder, write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. Also make sure that you tell your friends about the show. And if you're interested in advertising with us, I did not put the advertising sounder at the top of today's show, but email me, greg.maraz at yahoo.com. I promise I will give you a deal to be able to advertise on this program. So, as we talk today, there was a possibility that one series could have come to an end yesterday. As it turns out, it did not, and the momentum of that series may have shifted in one direction. Meanwhile, the other series, everybody thought after Game 3 that the momentum was clearly in the direction of one team, but after Game 4, it's pretty clear it's now back with the other team. So, You probably know what I'm talking about, but let's go with the recaps. We're going to start with a game that was extremely close. That is the Rays and the Astros. Both teams were using openers. Luis Garcia would open for the Astros. John Curtis would open for the Rays. However, the Astros have hit homers in the first inning in each of the prior three games, all coming from Jose Altuve. George Springer was the leadoff batter for Houston in yesterday's ball game. And let's just say he got into the first inning homer party. The Rays have used in the postseason. And Springer on the first pitch turns it around. That is up and out of here on the first pitch of the ball game. George Springer with a home run. Springer's bomb makes it one nothing in favor of Houston in the first inning. So Tampa Bay has been down in the first in each of the previous four games. However, the Rays would get a run back in the top of the third inning thanks to a solo homer from Brandon Lau. Good to finally see Lau get off the deck. He did that against reliever Blake Taylor. Houston, though, would come back, and in the bottom of the third inning, we'll recap how the inning went in terms of runners getting on base. It started off with a Josh Reddick single, then Martin Maldonado doubled that got Reddick to third. After a mound visit, George Springer grounded out pitcher Josh Fleming to first baseman G-Man Choi, then Michael Brantley stepped to the plate. Here's the pitch, and it's ripped to right field, and that's a base hit. Reddick's going to score the whole Maldonado at third. And no, now he takes off and slides into home as Maldonado scores in the Astros' lead 3-1. So Brantley brings home two with his single, and that makes it a 3-1 ball game in favor of Houston. However, as we've known from the Tampa Bay Rays, they are never dead. And once again, it was the man known as Randy Arozarena that would get the charge back into their lineup in the top of the fifth inning. 3-1 Houston on a Bradley 2-RBI single, and that one's in the air, deep center field. Springer on the run, and this ball's going to fly. It's gone. He's done it again, Randy Arozarena. So a Rosarena's homer makes it a 3-2 ball game. Couple of great stats on a Rosarena. His six home runs this postseason ties 2008 Ray Evan Longoria for most by a rookie in a single postseason. His 10 extra base hits this postseason, the most by a Rays player ever in a single postseason. And Randy Rosarena's six homers are the third most by a Ray in postseason history. So Randy Rosarena is putting together himself a very solid postseason. So it remained a 3-2 ball game until the top of the eighth inning, and that's when an unlikely source tied the game for the Rays. 
Well, maybe not that unlikely. He's powerful, but he's not somebody that a lot of people talk about when it comes to this Rays lineup. That would be the G-Man. Take a listen to this call from the Rays Radio Network. Swing and a drive. Right field, and when this lands, we are tied. G-Man Choi has just hit. His second home run of the postseason, it's 3-3 three to three here in San Diego in the eighth. It was an epic blast from G-Man Choi as he brings the Rays to a 3-3 tie. Now, Tampa has not really used any of their high-leverage relievers at this point. They used John Curtis as the opener. Then they had Josh Fleming as their bulk pitcher. He went three innings. Aaron Sligers goes two and two-thirds, so then they bring in Nick Anderson for the eighth, and he throws a scoreless eighth inning. The Astros bring in Ryan Presley in the eighth inning. He finishes the eighth, and then he pitches the ninth. Anderson comes back out for the ninth with one out and nobody on. Carlos Correa steps to the plate, and I'm guessing you can probably imagine what happens next. One ball, one strike. In the air, center field, Correa's watching, this is back, and it's gone! It's a walk-off home run! Carlos Correa, Astros win! A walk-off homer for Carlos Correa, the Astros beat the Rays 4-3. to three. Remarkably, both Astros wins in this series have been by 4-3 scores, All but one game in this series has been decided by two runs or less. Three games in this series have been decided by one run. That's game one of the Rays and Astros, where the Rays won two to one. And then each of the past two games where the Astros won four to three. Also, the first time in postseason history where one team has hit a leadoff homer and a walkoff homer. That was George Springer in the first and Carlos Correa in the bottom of the ninth inning. So pretty cool that that stat did occur. A couple of other key stats in this game. I want to go back to the awesome Twitter feed of Sarah Langs. The first one, Carlos Correa is the first player to hit a walk-off home run with his team facing elimination since Edwin Encarnacion did it off of Ubaldo Jimenez in the 2016 AL wildcard game. Now, I will say that that stat comes with a bit of a caveat because the wildcard game is a winner-take-all. It's not really elimination for one team. It's basically whoever wins is going on to the next round, and whoever loses goes home. In this situation, if the Rays lost, they still would have another game to play. If the Astros lost, their season would be over. So it's a little bit different. Also, Carlos Correa is the 15th walk-off homer facing elimination in postseason history. It's just the sixth of those to come in an LCS, and the first since Jim Edmonds did it in 2004 NLCS Game 6. The Cardinals would go on to win that series and eventually lose in the World Series to the Boston Red Sox. A couple of other stats that are worth talking about. It is just the third time this postseason that the team that had the positive differential in regards to home runs did not win the game. The Astros had two, the Rays had three. And finally, and Sarah Langs wrote this while the game was still going on, 
George Springer's leadoff homer is the 14th leadoff homer when facing elimination in postseason history. Of the 13 prior times, the players' team went on to win the game six times and lost seven times. So now it is seven and seven. The Astros face elimination again tonight. It is going to be a rematch of game one of the American League Championship Series. Blake Snell will take the ball for Tampa. Framber Valdez will take the ball for Houston. Now we will move on to the National League Championship Series. Game four, Braves leading the series two games to one, but coming off of a 15-3 loss against the Dodgers in which L.A. scored 11 runs in the first inning. And the Dodgers got off to another good start because in the top of the third inning, Edwin Rios came to the plate and he would homer for the second straight day. That is ripped into right. Will it go? Back at the wall. Goodbye. Edwin Rios, the DH, has put the Dodgers on top here in the third. That homer from Edwin Rios makes it a 1-0 Dodger lead, his second homer in as many games, coming off of Atlanta starter Bryce Wilson. However, we go bottom four, and the Braves tie it up. Strike zone. That is a blast. Way out of here. This ball game is tied. First home run of the series for Marcel Ozuna to make it a 1-1 ball game. It remained a 1-1 game going into the bottom of the sixth inning. Clayton Kershaw making his first start of the series had been very good to that point. However, things fell apart for him in the sixth inning. We're going to play for you a montage of highlights from what the Braves did that effectively sealed the game for Atlanta in that bottom of the sixth inning. Hard hit, base hit, and Atlanta will take the lead. Digging around third, Acuna. Digging into second, Freeman. The two switch spots. And it's two to one and two pitch. That's into left center field. Another run. Driven in by Ozuna. Cruising into second. Another double. It's three to one. Atlanta on top in the sixth. Here's a base hit. Down the left field line. Ozuna scores. Going to third as always. They're going to bring him around. Here's the relay by Seager, not in time. And Riley grounds one up the middle for a base hit. Here comes Swanson at another run. It's 6-1. 3-2 pitch now, and that is a bullet into center field. On his way to the plate, Riley, he scores without a play, and they just keep adding on. Kershaw gets knocked out of the game. The Dodgers would go down 7-1 to at that point. They would end up getting a run back in the top of the seventh inning, but Atlanta would get one more in the seventh, two more in the eighth. Marcelo Zuna hit a second homer in the ball game, and Atlanta would go on to win by a 10-2 score. Bryce Wilson gets the win. He goes six innings of one-run baseball. The only hit he allowed was the solo bomb, to Edwin Rios, he walks one, he strikes out five. Clayton Kershaw takes the loss. He allows four runs on seven hits over five innings, one walk and four strikeouts. Atlanta leads this series three games to one. They have a chance to clinch it tonight. Couple of key stats from the box score. Marcelo Zuna, four for five with four RBI. Freddie Freeman, two for five with two RBI. 
Ozzie Albies, two for four with a run score. Dansby Swanson, one for four with two RBI. Austin Riley, one for four with an RBI as well. Christian Pache goes one for four as well. For the Dodgers, Justin Turner, two for four with a run scored. Edwin Rios, one for three with two RBI and a run scored. And for the Dodgers, they only had three hits in this ballgame. Yes, that was it. The Dodgers were limited to just three hits in the ballgame. Let's take a look at what Sarah Langs has to say about this game from both perspectives. First, let's do a little bit of Marcelo Zuna. His 11 total bases last night are the most by a player in a postseason game since Kike Hernandez had 12 in Game 5 of the 2017 NLCS. That is the game that the Dodgers won to send them to the World Series, where they would lose to the Astros. They beat the Cubs, and I believe that Kike Hernandez had a grand slam and multiple homers in that game. Marcelo Zuna's 10 total bases last night are a Braves postseason record for a game. The last player with 10 total in a postseason game was Brock Holt in the 2018 ALDS Game 3. That was his hitting for the cycle for the Red Sox. Ozuna had two home runs last night. It's the eighth multi-homer game in Braves postseason history and the first since Chipper Jones did it in Game 4 of the 2003 NLDS. And, and this is a starting pitcher stat, the Braves' first four starters in this series have a combined 75 career regular season starts. Max Fried has 50, Ian Anderson has 6, Kyle Wright has 12, Bryce Wilson has 7. That's the fewest combined regular season starts by 1 through 4 in a playoff rotation in postseason history. The Mets had the record at 147 in 2015. That was for all three series. I believe their rotation in that playoffs was Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Matt Harvey, and Steven Matz. I would be pretty positive that it was those four, but I'm not exactly sure that that is necessarily the case. So those are a couple of key stats in that regard. Now some stuff on Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw has 11 career postseason starts of allowing four-plus runs, tying Greg Maddox for the second most in postseason history. Only Andy Pettit has more with 15. Also in regards to Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw has a postseason career ERA of 4.31. Now, this is a really good stat, and I think it's a pretty good indicator. His postseason ERA, if none of the batters left on base when he was removed in inning had ever scored, 3.55. Now, that's a lot of math, but basically it's saying that Kershaw has not really been helped by his bullpen in terms of stranding inherited runners. So another stat that I got sent by my good friend Tyler Oman, who always is on the ball when it comes to advanced stats, this is about Clayton Kershaw's stigma of being a postseason choke. Now these are more advanced metrics, but Clayton Kershaw's regular season career stats in these categories, 9.7 Ks per nine innings, 2.3 walks per nine innings, and a FIP of 2.98. Now, FIP is a stat that basically says, now it's ex-FIP, so I'm not sure if that's the regular FIP, but basically what FIP is, fielder's independent pitching percentage, which is what your ERA would be regardless of good or bad defense. Now, that doesn't necessarily take into account errors. What it takes into account is like an average defense in terms of who would make a play here, who wouldn't make a play here. So, like, if you had 
a shortstop that was really mediocre versus having Andrelton Simmons. That's what it would be. Kershaw's numbers in these categories in the playoffs, 9.8 Ks per nine innings, 2.4 walks per nine innings, 3.42 xFIP. So the FIP is a little bit higher, but Kershaw's other stats are not necessarily that much worse than they are in the regular season. Basically, Kershaw's balls in play are what has hurt him during the postseason, as you could probably imagine. But his walk rate and his strikeout rate are pretty much the same. Clayton Kershaw has had some good postseason starts. He has just been victimized by having certain moments in the postseason to where he has not been able to get the job done. We did an episode during the COVID shutdown comparing Clayton Kershaw to Madison Bumgarner based purely on regular season and playoff stats. Madison Bumgarner's playoff stats are ungodly amazing, while Kershaw's are not. Kershaw is going to end up having the better career in regards to regular season awards and regular season stats. And that is not to say that Madison Bumgarner is a far inferior pitcher, but what it goes to show you is that Clayton Kershaw has been consistently one of the best pitchers in baseball that has had certain struggles during the postseason. More than likely, if the Dodgers don't win this series, Kershaw is not going to have a chance to pitch again. If the Dodgers are going to win this series, this is going to end up being a seven-game series, which would mean Kershaw probably is available to come out of the bullpen in game six of this series. Nah, that's only going to be one-day rest. I would say available to come out of the bullpen in game seven, but that necessarily hasn't worked out in the past for Los Angeles. Braves have not announced their starter yet for today. Dodgers are going to go with Dustin May. Now, I'll be very curious to see if the Dodgers are going to end up using Dustin May in that opener-type role and then trying to bullpen it. My guess is is they're going to try and let Dustin May ride for at least four innings, possibly five, and then hand it off to the bullpen. They used Brewster Gratterall And that was big because you may need him in a higher leverage situation tonight, and you're not going to have him available to be as effective as he would be if he had had total rest. Now, I do want to talk about one thing in particular before we sign off. And there was an article that got put out on MLB.com regarding this subject. And I want to address it because I think that it's important for us to realize that we can't all just be the hypothetical stat geek that is making up all of these scenarios. There was an article that was put out on MLB.com saying, did the Dodgers make a mistake by not pulling Julio Urias after the first inning because they had such a big lead? Now, the three batter minimum rule says that he would have had to pitch to three batters because his name was on the lineup card. So they couldn't have necessarily pulled him from his start, but they could have just had him pitch one inning and then save him for today, or rather yesterday, I should say, because they probably would have rather had Urias go in game four and then have Clayton Kershaw go in game five. Or if you wanted to split it up because you had to throw him one inning, Kershaw go in game four and then game five would have been Urias. Julio Urias went five innings and he threw over 100 pitches. Now, you can make the argument that you could bullpen your way to a win over the Braves when you score 11 runs in the first inning and not have to use any of your starters. The contrasting opinion, and the one that I favor a little bit more, is that 
you could use Urias to eat up innings and then save your bullpen in case you had to go to your bullpen like they did in last night's game. And there's a possibility they'll have to go to it again. So this theory that, oh, they should have not let Julio Urias start in order to save him, you still were going to have to use eight innings worth of bullpen because the Braves were the home team. It's not like you're going to be able to... Well, I guess that argument doesn't make a whole lot of sense because if you're winning, you're going to have to pitch the ninth inning anyway, whether or not you're the home or the road team. My point being, it is somewhat of a foolhardy argument to look back and say, well, they should have done this, they should have done that, and you would have been able to bullpen the game. The way that things have gone for the Dodgers, they like to switch pitchers a lot after the fifth inning. So having somebody to eat innings in a game when you're basically going to end up winning no matter what because you got up so big in the first inning. I guess you wanted somebody to eat innings that was not Julio Urias, but the problem is is that every one of the Dodgers starters is somebody that you consider a premium guy. You know, you could have had Tony Gonsolin eat innings, but Gonsolin had pitched two days prior. You weren't going to have him do that. You weren't going to have Dustin May eat innings because your plan was to have him start game five, at least if that was Dave Roberts' plan. You certainly wouldn't want it to be Walker Bueller because he's going to be your game six starter if it gets to that point. You didn't really have a better option if you're Los Angeles unless you wanted to go to Alex Wood and say, hey, are you stretched out to be able to eat some innings and then go with Alex Wood? I don't think that Alex Wood at this point is stretched out to starters-level stamina. So he wasn't going to be able to come in and actually throw five or more innings out of the bullpen. I think that notion's a little bit ridiculous. So there's a lot of people that are questioning the Dodgers' decisions and the same stuff that keeps coming up over and over and over again about Dave Roberts is going to continue to arise if the Dodgers end up getting eliminated. This Dodgers team has too much money invested in it and has too much talent to not get over the hump. But I don't think you can necessarily put all of it on the manager. I think that it takes a really good manager to be able to get the most out of his guys. And I don't think that players tune out Dave Roberts. I think players love Dave Roberts. And you can't just bash Clayton Kershaw for having moments in the playoffs where he doesn't show up. You know, Barry Bonds was a postseason choke by all accounts, but people don't talk about that anymore with Barry Bonds. They talk more about the steroids than they do about him being a playoff choke. Nobody talks about the throw from left field in the 92 playoffs to where he couldn't throw out Sid Bream. Nobody talks about that anymore. So whether or not the Dodgers season comes to an end tonight, I actually think they're going to win tonight. I think they're going to force a game six, and that will be very telling. As for the American League, I really don't know what to think at this point. Only the 2004 Red Sox have ever come back from the 3-0 series deficit to win the series. I think Tampa's going to win tonight. I think that Blake Snell is going to lock in. I think the Rays' offense is going to get to Framber Valdez early, and they're going to put this game away in the middle innings. That's my prediction. I have no basis other than just my gut feeling. I think the Dodgers are going to win tonight, and I think we're going to have a game six with LA as the home team tomorrow. So we'll have a recap of both games going into a Saturday, and then we'll see if we have any off days before the World Series. The American League is at least going to have one off day because their series started before. 
World Series, I believe, is starting on Tuesday, which means that the National League is going to get one day off. However, the National League, they don't have to move because the National League is already playing at the World Series site at Globe Life Field. Anyways, that's it. That's all. Thanks for joining us. And remember, enjoy your baseball, Black Lives Matter, and be good to one another. Take care, everybody.